Spoke Media. Hey, Janiel. Hey, Kitty Cat. And hello, everyone listening. Today, I am taking over this mini-sode. I'm commandeering it. It is mine and mine alone. Usually when you have, like, a big surprise for me, you'll say, like, but and I have a big surprise. I'll put, like, cat's big surprise. Yes. And this time, it's all a big cat surprise. It's all a surprise. You sent me a script. Welcome. Minisodes, as a reminder, this is where we have uh, some piece of audio, some interview that we loved a lot and that really informed something for me and Janielle, but didn't really fit into any of our chapter sort of narrative theme. Yeah, it was useful in a standalone capacity to the story. But today, instead of an interview or just one interview, I have a metaphor to share with you guys. This is a metaphor that Janielle and I have seen emerge in a bunch of different interviews, a bunch of different conversations. It's something that's come up quite a bit. And we cut it pretty early on because we just didn't think we had room for it. There are only so many, like, metaphors or themes you can track in one story, so we picked our top three. Yeah, it sort of fell by the wayside for a long time until recently where we got some some more compelling audio that made the, this metaphor, I think, stand out in a way that it hadn't before. Tell the people what the metaphor is. The metaphor is Janielle's dad's cat. God bless. God bless this cat. So today, I'm going to be playing for you some audio that I curated, some of my favorite parts of our conversations about this cat and how it played out in a metaphor in Janielle's story. Mm, the metaphor that got away from us. Yes. Welcome to Untitled Dad Project. Minisode, cat. We're going to start with a conversation that you had with Charlie, one of your dad's sailing buddies. We just heard from Charlie in Chapter 6 more in depth about your dad. And Charlie is actually the one who took it upon himself to clean out your dad's apartment. So he is the one that discovered your dad's cat. Well, um, I'm trying to remember what her name is. She, Her parents live in the same building. And she said, well, there are two cats. And, I, and I'd, been in the, I'd been in the apartment. And I said, how are there two cats in there? <laughs> Um, I think Michelle told me about this lady that was a cat rescue person. And she had all these nice ladies who would do this cat rescue stuff. And there, one of the cats was dead. Oh. The older one just had died. But there was another one that they, I mean, we had to go through. I mean, it took over a week. So you just couldn't find the cat? Never saw the cat. We knew that there were two cats. And then one of them was dead, and the other one had to be in there. And I thought, we've got to get this cat soon before. How did you know one was dead? You, f you found the dead one? Yeah, it was mm -hmm. in the, the office chair. Oh, so do you think it had died? Like Actual causes. She was on medication and stuff. So he passed away, and then the cat passed away. Oh, I see. But that cat, eventually we got her. And these, I got to know these ladies. How did they get the cat? Just eventually found her. And that cat, 
is leads a life of luxury. Where does she live now? Um, they or he? got her son. He? Uh, she was adopted out. I have a picture someplace on my uh, that they sent me, and this this cat is totally groomed and sitting on this almost Victorian-looking cat bed. <laughs> so this cat has gone from this hellhole orders place to the lap of luxury. Hmm. So immediately after this, you and I sat down and sort of strategized how we were going to find this cat. Do you remember why you wanted to find this cat so badly, why it was so important? My dad's cat felt to me like his actual next of kin. Like, I am his theoretical next of kin, I suppose, but I was feeling so, like, fraught about that. Like, am I really? My dad's cat was, like, there, was, like, his chosen family. He took care of that cat. So in that way, it was, like, his actual kind of child. And I was feeling really, um, like, I wanted uh, responsibility after my dad's death. I felt this, like, wave of nobility, and I'm going to— right the wrong of never having reached out to him. So I, I at some point, volunteered to adopt the cat when Charlie called me and told me about the cat. Um, lo and behold, it had already been adopted. My roommate is really, was at the time, was really allergic to cats, but she just didn't know how to love me through my grief. So she was like, we'll find a way. And I thought, I'll just name the cat Dad, and it'll just be this great little morbid whatever. I, I kind of had all these fantasies I was playing out. And, um, and even though I didn't adopt him, it felt important for some reason to find this cat, but just as important as it did to, like, find the reverend who officiated my dad's funeral. Like, each of these things could have been where the breakthrough was going to be. So the next thing I'm going to play for you is a conversation that you had with a woman named Jean about this very subject, why you thought it was so important to find this cat. This is the first time I had heard you put words to why you wanted to find this cat, why it might be important to you. And she makes you answer some really tough questions about what you would want from this cat. Do you want the cat? I don't know that I want the cat. I really want to meet the cat. I don't know what happens to our energies or what happens to us when we die, but this cat was the only thing in the room alive when my dad died. So he wasn't alone. And I don't know what if my dad, like, do whatever we are when we die, does that get lodged in the other living things around us or <laughs> I don't know I'm just really interested in this cat what I think is that your interest in that cat your attraction to the cat your feeling is an important thing to honor that's what I know okay I have no answers other than that <laughs> the cats have an intimate way with our psyches yeah so there's why not hmm. why sure. not have an interview with a cat. <laughs> yeah, I really want to meet it. Are you going to tell people we didn't do it? Yeah, spoiler <laughs> alert. We did not find this cat. We can't find it. I looked so hard. I emailed Charlie. He didn't know. He pointed us to the rescue. I I went through that rescue. I emailed the rescue. They didn't know or they didn't get back to me. I can't remember. But then I, my big deep dive was I went through their Facebook page and looked for any Maine Coon that I could find on their Facebook page up for adoption and could not find a single one around the time of your dad's death. So. We never met the cat. We never met the cat. And this is around about the time that we kind of abandoned the whole cat thing, right? Uh, I, I would say like a couple months later, we had tried everything, exhausted all of our options, and just were sort of like, this is not going to work. Yeah, it's not going to be the thing that we thought. Mm -hmm. So we never found your dad's cat. Would you like to reveal to our audience what we found instead. <laughs> um, so I was 
walking up to your door one day to record Robert It was episode? our very first recording of the script for Chapter 1A. For Chapter 1A. The very first iteration. So I came in, like, ready with my script and feeling really nervous because I was very embarrassed about that interview and how it had gone. And I saw, like, a weird orange blur in your bushes. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, that's, must, that's like a weird squirrel. Mm-hmm. And then when I got to your front door, I looked in the bushes and, like, looking back at me were these giant eyes staring at me. And it's this little orange and white kitten. And I was like, oh, my God, like, this cat just was it was waiting at your front door. And as I walked up, it darted into the bushes. Ah! And then as I started trying very, cl- like, slowly to approach it, he darted away. Mm. And then we came inside, and I was like, we're going to record. So we started recording, but you're obsessed with cats. Yeah, so you came inside, and you were like, there's a kitten. And I was like, we are going to find this kitten. So we first tried to corner it, I think. We thought it was in the bushes, and we tried to corner it. And it wasn't in the bushes anymore. And it wasn't in the bushes anymore. We couldn't find him. Second thing we tried was um, I took out every good-smelling thing in my fridge. So there was, like, Greek yogurt and cat treats. We have lured the kitten with treats. Darius, Carson's going to catch you, little one. We're going to catch you. He came back, and we were watching the window, and... Uh, We ran outside, and we lost him again. And then we were like, oh, no, we need to record. Oh, that's right. And so then I, I, <laughs> I, we came up with the idea that we would just FaceTime our kitty trap. Yeah. And so we FaceTimed. I set my phone downstairs facing um, out your front window, and so we could record the Robert script. Yes. And at some point, you stopped me. At some point, I don't know that we even recorded it because I can't find that audio. But whatever happened, we stopped because we were like, the kitten is back. And we spent the better part of two hours running around your entire neighborhood. We would spot him and then try to corner him, and then he would dart, and he was so small and so fast. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We eventually caught him. Carson, you caught him. We caught him. Hey, look at this little thing. It's soft. Your world will be soft now. Yeah. We caught him. We cornered him at a neighbor's garage. And he was so scared looking. Oh, so skinny. I know. Mm. And he's got his little red eyes. You're a little wild cat. So yeah, we put him in a box and we brought him into the house and we gave him a little bit of food. You like me in college, so hungry. Being on that free food. And he was covered in fleas. And his little leg was bent. His leg was bent. It had this big uh gash like a like a mm-hmm. welt on it yeah and his little ribs you could see like he was so tiny i took him to the vet he, had, he was one pound oh uh, he was so cute so we decided to integrate him into our recording setup okay carson i'm ready to record and we've got my kitten in here for emotional support oh the coffin isn't so sad and lonely with you in here oh you're that bird can you hear the purr on mic? I'm biting my hand. I'm glad you had a support kitten today. It was really helpful. I'm not going to lie. Good. I think he likes the play, the podcast. We can name him Rick Tears. Is that too much? Maybe. <laughs> what did you say? I said you can name him Rick Tears. Is that I'm going to name him Dad. Dad. Dad cat.
So we thought a bunch of things about what this cat meant to us. Yes, like the metaphor picked back up. A cat re-entered the story. Like, maybe this is, he represents, like, my dad reincarnated? Yeah, and then when there was a bunch of complications around, like, but what does it mean that Why he was he ran? running? He ran away and tried to hide. Like, he made himself known to me at the front door. Like, he wanted in, but then he ran away for two hours? Yes. Like, why, if my dad was coming to me, why did he not have, like, a knowing look in his eye and then come up to, like, he was running, being scared as hell of me. So we thought, maybe it's a dad reincarnated. Then we thought, maybe it's a dad's cat reincarnated. And then maybe he was just, like, a gift given to us by my dad. Yeah. Whatever it was, the cat metaphor came back alive in, like, a really small, like, innocent, perfect way. Mm -hmm. And beyond that, the kitten metaphor actually came back in a way that wasn't with a tangible cat, that wasn't with a literal kitten coming back into your life. It came back. It was just in my psyche. Yeah. And it came back like this. When I was talking about what I had learned from our last uh, chapter, foreshadowing and daddy issues, I was talking about with one of my friends, and I said, there's that the feeling had shown up for me finally, which is that something about you was fundamentally abandonable, and what a scary release it was to share that feeling. And then she said, well, all of us are abandonable. And she brought up, I think, maybe the most brilliant point I've ever heard in my life, which is, People abandon boxes of kittens. <laughs> and none of us will ever be as adorable or as perfect or as innocent. And yet some people can place them on the side of the road. Also, there is almost no thing that it is easier to not abandon. You can just walk into a shelter and drop it off. You can lie and say they're not yours and drop it off. It's so easy to not leave a box of kittens by the side of the road where they could die, and yet some people still do. Yeah. And I think about what would make me abandon a box of kittens as opposed to doing the right thing and, and, and doing something responsible with them if I knew I couldn't actually take care of them the way I wanted to. And I think about how shameful it would be to say, I'm the kind of person who abandons a box of kittens, and to walk into maybe a, I don't know, a, a ASPCA shelter or whatever and have to actually show people that that's what you're doing, it would be so shameful and awful. It would be kind of admitting, I'm the kind of person who can abandon kittens. Hmm. So it might make you more likely to just leave them by the side of the road where they could die. Like, how shameful a thought to think, I'm a person who abandons their child. And if you had to actually reckon with me and look me in the eyes and say, hey, here's why I'm not in your life. Because I, I don't know. I can't. I'm not good enough. You deserved a dad and I couldn't do it. To look me in the eyes would have to acknowledge to yourself that you're somebody who abandoned a child. So it would be a million times easier to just abandon the child. Like, do you see what I'm saying? The shame would make you more likely to do the thing that you're unwilling to acknowledge than to do it in a responsible way. Yeah. And this has nothing to do with my dad. No, it does. It does. Abandoning a box of kittens by the side of the road says nothing about the quality of the kittens. It says everything about the quality of the person who cannot bring themselves to just do something responsible with the kittens. Maybe I inherited this perfectionism, whatever it is. But the fact that he abandoned me says a lot more about his character than it does about mine. Yes. 
I love, I love that your friend said that. Yeah. I know that I've been, I've been in therapy for four years. I know that we've talked about this, but something about being like, but aren't you, like, you're worthy and, like, what your dad does doesn't mean anything about you and what men do in your life when they stop talking to you doesn't say anything about what you deserve and all that. I, I understand. I know I've heard that before. But something about just picturing a box of kittens. Oh, my gosh. It's so It's so good. much more clearly. There's nothing wrong with the kittens. And they might inherit stuff because they were left by the side of the road, like ticks and heartworms and all that stuff. But that has nothing to say about the quality of the kitten themselves. No. It was just so much more clear. You know when you can't hear something until you can hear it? Yes. I don't think I could have heard that all of last episode. No, of course not. something about facing that I was abandoned, and I fear that makes me fundamentally abandonable. Something about facing that made me sit in the box with the kittens when she told me that metaphor, and then I could really feel it. Oh, there's nothing wrong with us. Hmm. The person who can't look you in the eyes when they walk away or can't look you in the eyes as they continue to not be in your life, but pop in with a birthday card. But can't look you, can't come to you correctly and acknowledge that they've abandoned you. That's just something about them, not you. <sighs> and this is where the metaphor comes full circle to me. Because we just had this whole episode about what you inherited from your dad. What pieces of his character show up in your character? And we talked about how you might have had the same hubris, that same, if I can't do something perfect, I won't do it at all. And this is like fundamental evidence to me that you have chosen a different path. Because when you were faced with a kitten, an inconvenient kitten, you didn't abandon it. And not only did you not abandon it, you chased it down the road for two hours. And so not only is this metaphor true in that you are worthy, but also it shows me like you have refused to let this hubris play out in the way that it played out for your dad. And that's why I think this metaphor is important to us. Yeah, it came back around there at the end, didn't it? Yeah. So I think it's worth its own mini-sode. Because after, like, after... The cat's name is Taco Cat. Yes. You named him Taco Cat because it's a palindrome. After Taco came, like, into our lives, after we, like, saved him, I, th- I thought the metaphor had sort of dried up there, too. Yeah. And that's really beautiful. But also, my dad took care of two cats. Yeah. So in this <laughs> new take on the metaphor, my dad did take care of two cats. He was able to do that. He's able to feed and take care of two creatures that were there for him at the end. I guess here's how it plays into the things that you do take care of when you don't have to um, can often come back and take care of you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's in there, too, somewhere in the parts of the story that we've cut. There's more complication here. I mean, you took the burden of the financial responsibility and the flea responsibility of oh, Sweet Taco sure. Cat. And we... he's now your child. So I didn't take full responsibility for him, but I acknowledged him and didn't abandon him. But I feel like even full responsibility wouldn't exercise this metaphor in the way that I would hope. You know, there's some stuff around responsibility that I think 
has not been useful in your story, like when you have felt responsible for reaching out to your dad or when you have felt responsible Mm. for taking things on, that has not been like that's not the same thing as this metaphor. That's not the same thing. Right. You don't have to be responsible for something to not abandon it. Yes. You can (laughs) acknowledge this thing in an inconvenient moment when it'd be easier to ignore it. Mm -hmm. And you can responsibly say, and I'm not going to be your caretaker in a responsible way and and give it to someone who, who can or surrender it to someone who can. Yeah. That's interesting, kitty cat, because yeah. it's my dad didn't have to adopt me and nurture me and care for me like he did for his cats, which he chose. He, however, those cats came into his life there. They, he chose to keep them alive and take care of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but he abandoned me. He could have not abandoned me by sort of responsibly acknowledging me. Yeah, and saying I mean, goodbye in some way. It's the it's the you can responsibly not abandon kittens. You can. Yeah, you can. Yeah, exactly. Take them to the ASPCA. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. Okay, that's even more complicated because it's it's less tidy than you just adopt every cat you meet. Mm-hmm. It's not every cat you meet, not every inconvenient responsibility that comes your way is yours, but that doesn't mean you have to abandon those things. You can acknowledge them. Yes. That's a much more complicated, realistic thing to reckon with. And in that way, it feels much more apt and appropriate for the story, which is not netting out in like the coziest, tidiest of ways. It's netting out in a much more complicated way. I have a question. Yeah. If you were to talk to your dad's cat now, what would you say? Mm. Thank you for being with him at the end. He obviously loved you very much. Thank you for loving him, too. Thank you for bearing witness to his story. I'm sorry that you're, you don't have a dad anymore. I don't either. I never did, but that doesn't qualify your pain, cat. Kitty cat, not you, cat, uh, dad's cat. I'm sorry you don't have your person anymore. It must be very hard. I'm really glad you have a new home. I hope you love it. I hope you never forget my dad. And you matter. And I would very importantly not make the cat feel like it had to take care of my feelings. I would want it to be able to find me irrelevant like some cats do. I would just sort of want to have mutual respect as my dad's kind of two next of kins. Is there anything you'd like to say to, like, Taco? Oh, Taco Cat? Um... You're so lucky. So many other kitty cats never get found, never get chosen, and never get to have a world that's so soft. 
And how fun that you get to be such an entitled asshole now. It's so fun to feel so legitimate and that you so belong in a house that you get to knock things off of shelves. (laughs) That's how much you belong here. And I would tell him I love him. And that he picked the right door to meow in front of and then run away from. I'd tell him he's lucky he didn't get what he wanted. The scarier thing, getting caught, was so much better for him. You know, I wouldn't tell him he's lucky to have a warm, soft home. I would tell him that's what he deserves. Hmm. That's what he deserves. All of the little kitties deserve that. He's not lucky for having had it. All of them deserve it. All of us deserve it, too. We're lucky or blessed, I guess, if we have warm homes where we're loved. But we all deserve it, even if we were abandoned and didn't have that warm, soft home. And I would look at him kind of really closely to see if he's my dad. <laughs> he's not. He's not my dad. But he's a, he's a good boy. Good boy. So a few things about Taco. Taco does not talk very much. It's very rare and only when he has something important to say. Taco, I have a very important question for you. Were you sent by Janiel's father? Taco, do you think you're quiet because you are a podcast producer and not a podcast host? Hey, Taco. Are you glad we found you? So to catch you up on Taco's life since he was untitled podcat. I think he's pretty happy. Do you think you're happy, Taco? Thank you all for listening to this week's mini-sode. Up next, it's chapter seven, where Janielle and I chase down her elusive third act breakthrough. UDP is created and hosted by Janielle Kastner. Our production team is me, Carson McCain, Kelly Kolf, Lauren Floyd, Jenna Hannum, Kendall Lake, Evan Arnett, and Will Short. Our executive producers are Leah Tavakolian and Keith Reynolds. Special thanks this week to Charlie for finding Rick's cat a fabulous new home. Thank you to Jean Denny. You can find more of her at jeandenny.com. And thank you, Taco, for showing up at my door, for all the emotional support, and for every lizard you've ever caught and brought to me. You're a good boy. 